Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel is the key to our justification and sanctification. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's study in the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 1, and we're taking just a little bit more time than we normally would uh, in a chapter because we've done some introduction uh, to the book of Romans, and obviously that takes some time. But uh, thanks for hanging in there. This is going to be a great study as we think about really our condition. And when we when we look at the first three chapters of Romans, it can get a bit depressing because we think we see what what sin does, how sin controls, captivates us, and and demoralizes us, and how we're aware of that. And, and the, the Bible talks about how God has made an awareness of sin, an awareness of God is available to everybody. And we're all guilty because we have that awareness of, of, of God and of uh, our responsibility to him. So how does God rescue us and where does the gospel come in? That's really what we're going to be talking about. And today we introduce that theme. So look at verse number 14 of Romans chapter one, uh, where the apostle Paul in speaking to his audience says, I am debtor. Uh, I owe a debt would be the way we would say that. I, I am debtor both to the Greeks that means Greek-speaking people. Greek was the lingua franca of the day, the, the common language. Most people spoke Greek, both to the and to the barbarians. A barbarian was one that could not speak Greek. Uh, both to the wise and to the unwise, the educated, the uneducated. In other words, Paul says, listen, I have a debt to everybody. It was just a way of saying to all people groups, uh, to all social strata, I have a I have a debt. I feel this this obligation to give the gospel. And you say, well, Kurt, you know, is is obligation really the best motivation for serving God? I mean, the sense of duty. I mean, shouldn't we serve God out of a heart of love? Well, yeah, of course we should. But but the point is this: that obligation and love are not mutually exclusive. To feel a sense of of duty and a sense of obligation does not mitigate that I should do things because I have a love for Christ and that love constrains me. No, they can both be true at the same time. And here in verse number 14, he says, I I am sensing this, this overwhelming obligation to all people groups. Verse number 15, so because I have this sense of obligation, verse number 15, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So it's not just a, a, an obligatory emotion that I have. It's not just a burden that I feel. I think often when it comes to the gospel, that's where the gospel begins and ends in our practical practice that we have a burden maybe for a lost loved one or a burden for our city or a burden for a people group or a burden when we watch a missionary presentation, but it goes beyond burden. It goes beyond that. The apostle Paul said, 
yes, I, I have this sense of burden that gives me this feeling of obligation, but therefore, as much as in me is, with everything I am, single-mindedly, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. There was a readiness on the, on the part of the Apostle Paul based upon that burden. I mean, ready to go, ready to stay, ready to do whatever God called him to do. I wonder if there's a, ready, a readiness in your heart and life about the gospel. Is there a readiness in my heart, in my life about the gospel? You know, do I culture a, a burden for the people groups around me? Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll be pretty uh, prejudiced in our burden. We have a burden for my family, or we have a burden for people in my Jerusalem, people that potentially could come to my church. But, you know, where's the burden for all people everywhere? Where's the burden for people that are like me and aren't like me? And, and the Apostle Paul said, I have this overarching burden that gives me this this readiness to preach the gospel even to you at Rome. I'm ready to come. When I go there, my modus operandi in Rome is going to be the same as it is in every place. And that is, I am going to preach the simple gospel of Jesus. Now, what was interesting is he was writing from Corinth when he said that to the people at Rome. And it was in Corinth that he said, hey, I determined to preach Christ here, to emphasize the ministry of Jesus and the power of the gospel. The Apostle Paul said, and that's my determination everywhere, because the gospel is not just that that get it started concept in the Christian life. No, it, it is what the Christian life is all about, the power of the resurrected Christ, living the resurrected life. Uh, understanding who I am in Christ is understanding the gospel's influence ongoing day by day in my life. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. So he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Now, why? Why such confidence in the gospel? Why such readiness for the gospel? Well, he tells us why now in our theme verse, verse number 16. Watch it. He says, for or because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why was Paul always ready to preach the gospel anywhere, anytime to anybody? Because he wasn't ashamed of it. He knew what it could do in a life. Why would he be ashamed of something that had radically changed him? Why would he be ashamed of something that had the transforming power to make a life something permanently different? Trans, to transform a, a life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I understand the efficacy of the gospel. And watch how he says that in verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God, the dunamis power of God, the, the dynamite, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So it's our faith that unlocks the gospel power practically in our lives, but the gospel has inherent power. It's the power of God. And you think about that prepositional phrase, of God. We could talk about the power of, you name a person, name the power of you know, some athlete or the power of some uh, engineer or some 
business leader or the power of some king to effect change. Yeah, we could talk about power, but the power of God. I mean, think about God's power, the power to speak the world into existence, the, the power to part an ocean, the power to feed a multitude, the power to raise the dead, power. So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, you know, we understand that the Jews uh, have a special relationship with God. We understand why God would save them, but also to the Gentile. Remember who's saying this? The Apostle Paul, who was a very prejudiced and racial man before he was saved. It was all about the Jews. The Gentiles were dogs, but now he sees the gospel for what it is. It is God's rescue plan for everybody, both Jews and Gentiles, the power of God unto salvation. Now, it's very important that we understand when when the Apostle Paul speaks about salvation in verse number 16, we think about salvation many times in a very limited and narrow way. Okay, for instance, if I talk about salvation to you, you might think about, oh, salvation. Yeah, that's when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was there at that church service, and I walked forward in that invitation, or maybe I was there in that Sunday school room, and my teacher took me aside, or maybe I was there at that living room couch or that kitchen table, and my dad or my mom walked me through the Romans Road, or whatever the case is. Salvation, you think about that one-time salvation experience in your life, and that's important. Certainly, that's important, but understand that salvation is much more than that. Salvation is God's comprehensive plan for your life. And God wants to save you full salvation. He wants to save you body, soul, and spirit. So when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, repented and called upon Christ as your soul's hope for for redemption, you were saved in the sense that you were made justified. You were made righteous. You received the gift of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you were in that moment, you became a child of God. The Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. You were passed from death unto life. All of that is true. But that was just the starting point. Your spirit was quickened. Your spirit was made alive. So in that sense, your spirit is saved, right? Uh, you are a new man in Christ, But does that mean that all of a sudden your body has no more disease and your aging process has stopped and you'll never sin again in some practical way? Of course not. So while you are saved, you are not saved. Now, don't let that throw you. I I believe that salvation is a forever thing. And once you're saved, you're always saved. But please understand that salvation is a much bigger term. So there's justification. That's the act of whereby God declares the believer in Jesus to be righteous. But then that act of justification, that judicial act of God, really inaugurates a process in your life that we call sanctification, which is a part of salvation as well. And what is sanctification? Sanctification is the process whereby the Spirit of God, who now lives inside of you, uses the Word of God to make you the child of God more like the Son of God. That's sanctification. That God is at work in your life. The gospel is at work in your life to make you more and more like Jesus, 
to live the resurrected life, to die to self, to be like Christ. And so the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So in justification, I'm saved from the penalty of sin. In sanctification, that's a process. By the way, that'll be a process your whole life. You'll never fully be like Jesus in this lifetime, practically speaking. Okay, but you ought to be more like him uh, this year than you were last year. You ought to be trending upward. And in that process, what is God doing? He is saving you. He is saving you from the power of sin. You're no longer, you no longer have to be shackled. You've been saved in the slave market of sin. You've been given liberty. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. You've been empowered to serve God, to fulfill those works that he has foreordained that you should walk in. Well, what a great plan God has. But do you know it doesn't end with sanctification? No, there's a third component to your salvation, and we call that glorification. The Bible talks about that in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. And that is that if we are the sons of God, then one day we'll, we're going to be like Jesus because we're going to see him as he is. So one day when we see Jesus Christ, our body, resurrected body, will be made like unto his glorious body so that uh, even we'll be safe in the very presence of sin. So the point is this, God's salvation plan for you is comprehensive. He wants to save you spirit, soul, body. He gives the devil nothing Every vestige of what you are, God redeems. And that's the power of the gospel. Boy, that ought to jazz you up today. Uh, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So look at verse number 16 one more time, but we're out of time. So it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. There, there's, the, there's the important part. Faith, trust him. To the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Faith from start to finish is what that means. It, you, you are saved by faith and you live by faith. It's not that you're saved by faith, not by works, but now I've got to please God by my, by my works. No, works are always just an evidence of faith. And so it's from faith to faith. We are justified by faith. We are sanctified by faith. And we, we, in what we believe, it's the gift righteousness of God through Jesus as it's written. And this is a quote from Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. So much more to say about this verse. We'll probably come back to it next episode. But for now, we're out of time. So we'll let you go. Have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.